Uh, we ready for war. Never back down. Give me some more. We came for the title. Killing Welcome into our episode of Patrick Jones Baseball. On this week's episode, we have Rob Fournier. Rob is currently the recruiting coordinator at Western Kentucky University. Previously, he spent 26 years as the head baseball coach at Wabash Valley Community College, which is one of the most prominent junior college baseball programs in the country. The program had 26 consecutive winning seasons, recording at least 30 wins in each season, and had 17 total 40-plus win seasons when Rob was the head baseball coach at Wabash Valley. And so you may say, like, well, that may work at the junior college level, but what happens when he, he goes to the Division One level? So in 2022, Western Kentucky, their record was 18-36. and 36. Rob was hired in June of 2022, so just after the season was over. And then this past season, they went 33-26 and 26 in his very first year. So, again, you can kind of start to see – Wherever this guy goes, like he recruits good players and he wins. And so I, I think that's something that that's one of the reasons I really want to have him on this podcast is you can kind of see that he has a lot of humility. He's constantly learning to grow, which is a common theme amongst the best coaches we've had on this podcast. And so I just always like talking to coaches who have a ton of experience and have been around this game for a long time. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Rob Fournier. This is All right, Rob, we're now live on the podcast. I uh, appreciate you coming on today. Thank you. My pleasure. So you were you were the head coach at Wabash Valley, which is notoriously known as one of the best junior college baseball programs in the country for for 26 years. I mean, you were on you were the top, on the top of the mountain, you were the the king. Um yet you still left. Why did you decide to leave when you were pretty much at the top? You had everything made and now you decide to go and coach at the division one level. Like what, what was your thought process with that? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a layered and stacked question. Um, but it's always been in the back of my mind uh, making that jump, but I loved it at Wabash Valley. Um, it was great for my family and myself. Um, I love what junior college stands for. Um, but after 26 years, I always talked about if an opportunity arose that was a good fit for me personally um, and for my family, and I'd definitely take a look at it. And through the through the years, um, Coach Bird and I have talked about if you know this situation never came up, you know would I be interested in working together and the whole nine yards and. Um, so of course that's something we talked about and because I think anywhere you want to go I, I think you got to trust that person you got to feel good working with uh, the entire staff but you know and then it's thrown in west of Kentucky uh, was a place I was tremendously uh, familiar with so there was a lot of things that stacked up and lined out it was one you know what I thought if I was ever going to make that jump then everything added up and I was like why not so for me, it was a perfect fit, and my wife was totally into it, and um, I felt it was the right time. So, in your when you first took over Wabash Valley, um, the team went, went twelve and thirty four in mm-hmm. nineteen ninety six. The next year, you guys went thirty seven and sixteen. So that was a massive turnaround. 
And then I started doing some more research. I was like, man, like that's impressive. Like in just his first year, he turned that around. And then I looked in Western Kentucky in 2022, the year before you got there, uh, 18 and 36. Then you got there in June, right after that 2022 season. And then this past season in 2023, you guys were 33 and 26. So another big turnaround. So what's what's the uh secret sauce you gotta you have <laughs> something there's something you have that um it clearly i mean it, this isn't a mistake here it's a common theme that wherever you go you win and you know how to win and get good players i mean what, what what's the secret can you spill the beans here <laughs> well sure. well i think that number one is just building the foundation i mean the culture is a huge thing that you know coach Gruden will talk about all the time and he will hammer that into the ground, something fierce. So um, I think that's important. And that was our biggest thing as far as um, here was absolute dominating that aspect. I think it's um, the other part is just getting the most out of your players and not expecting it. We, we honestly didn't think we were going to do what we were supposed to do. I mean, we're confident coaches and all, but honestly, this year was just to build it, get a foundation down. Um, so so we made a big jump this year, but it had a lot to do with culture. And, and we added some pieces late recruiting wise that helped us. Um, we didn't cut one uh, player from the previous um, staff and the previous team. So um, we stuck with the guys and obviously we had a little, you know, a little bit of a turnover this year, but um, you know, we just getting the most out of your players and getting, you know, getting the most out of what you have and the expectations were, um, just getting better. That was the biggest thing. And in that Wabash Valley, I was so young, I hardly remember how it happened. But um, I think the guys just kind of rallied behind, you know, our staff. And, and um, just sometimes I think that that's a big, a big deal is, is that change is good for the players and good for the program. But they just rallied behind me and the rest of the staff. And, and, uh, and from then at that point, I was just about recruiting and getting better players and better fit. You've mentioned culture a couple times so far. Like, how do you go about instilling culture, building that foundation that you talked about? Well, number one, let's from the very get go, it's about getting better players and then players that fit um, your system and what you're trying to do. Um, and that's just not on the field. It's just guys off the field, how they work. Um, to us, it's getting the best players you can and the best people you can that's just going to outwork people. I mean, we're all get, we're always trying to get the most talented player. Um, but let's let's be real honest here. Um, the talented players that we always want the same players that LSU is trying to get, but we have to get players that somehow maybe they fall through the cracks. Maybe they're they're close. Maybe you know for whatever reason. Um, somebody doesn't recruit them, but we have to get guys that fit what we're trying to do. And, you know, that is obviously guys with grit, guys that are talented, guys that want to play, but guys just want to play for us. And um, so there's a lot that goes into that. Um, but at the same time, you've got to get players that are good enough. And that takes a lot of time recruiting. So you have to recruit anywhere and everywhere and get the right guys. Yeah, so how does that process work? So you're just you're constantly on the phone, you're constantly on the on the on your laptop or computer talking to mm -hmm. people. Like how do you go about identifying those players that you're talking about? Because to your point, you're 100% right. The the best players everybody knows who they are, right? right. I mean, they stick out like a mm -hmm. sore thumb. So how do you find those diamonds in the rough? 
Well, sometimes it's about going where they're not, you know. I mean, there's still faces everywhere. They're your top travel teams everybody knows about. Um, you know, we're not going to reinvent the wheel here, but we are going to try to beat the bushes. Um, and a lot of times just try to expand our recruiting base. I mean, there's, you know, we get kids from all over the country. And I did the same thing at Wabash. Oh, we had kids from, you know, four different countries. And we had players from the East Coast, West Coast, you name it. And that takes time to build a network. Um, and it takes time to dig on players. It, it takes time to do research on players. And so you know what you're getting into. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I've learned through the years about recruiting is developing relationships where you trust people. And developing relationships with your players that you're bringing in. And so there's so much that goes into it, but it takes time, it takes effort, and it takes a passion that. Um, but the biggest thing, like I said, I really believe that it's developing relationships with the players, with coaches, with scouts, with, and then trusting ultimately your eye and trusting your gut because there's going to be guys that other coaches really like, the obvious ones, but then there's guys that are on the, on the fringe of this guy could go either way and you're just going to have to trust your gut on how you feel he's going to develop. Do you have any stories of any players that maybe uh, you recruited, you didn't think that they would perform at that high of a level. You kind of just maybe <laughs> just needed a filler guy at the time or something like that. And they just took off and you're like, man, yeah. what did I miss here? All right. I tell you what, two years ago, we had a team that finished uh, third in the World Series out there, Grand Junction, and we had seven out of our nine starters were really not recruited in high school or maybe got cut from a Division One school. Um, so there are so many stories that I can tell you. But, um, you know, one guy in particular was last, uh, last year or two years ago, um, a player by the name of Brian Comer. Um, he actually played behind a first round Arizona State and so for whatever reason he didn't play at all and he kind of slipped through the cracks and um, somehow he ended up in Wabash Valley um, and there's a lot of players a lot of a lot of active players a lot of coaches and scouts passed up on him in the fall because he didn't do any Arizona State and he just stayed the course but he ended up being a player of the year for us in, in junior college helped us, you know, get to the World Series and helped us do some tremendous things. And uh, But he's just one guy that, you know, was a player of the year um, that we took probably two days before school started at Wabash Valley. And then um, two years previous to that, another player by the name of Kel Baker um, was a National Junior College Player of the Year. He was cut um, at Cincinnati. Um, he was a little bit overweight and out of shape, and, and he knew that. We took him another deal, another week before school started, and he ended up being the player of the year in junior college. It was actually the triple crown winner that um, nobody wanted in the fall. It just developed and got better and ended up at Ole Miss um, and did, you know, like I said, had a great career for us. Did a nice job at Ole Miss. So those are a couple guys, but I can go on and on about guys that um, that we took and, you know, just helped develop. And um, I think it's just guys staying the course and like I said, we're not reinventing the wheel, but I think that our biggest thing is just trying to work, 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 and outwork people and and pay attention to developing guys and make sure that's really important for you and you have a plan for each player. But there's a lot of guys that I could go on and on about, but uh, those are two guys that were both junior college players of years that were not recruited and were like, holy cow. And they did, you know, they overachieved.
what was what was your i would say i don't know if this is the right word but like selling point for getting all these some of these guys to go to wabash because i the way i look at it you know there's a lot of junior college baseball programs out there and it's not like uh, one has just phenomenal facilities like lsu type facilities and then everybody mm-hmm. else has just you know bad facilities like it's pretty pretty much common and so it's kind of in a sense it's it's equal playing field from my at least from the way i look at it so like how are you able to to build this this juggernaut year after year after year and get all these good players like is there is it just a reputation thing is it um like what was the selling point that you think you were able to get so many good players well at time around as we're building our our program i think that um obviously it was you know, getting really good players that, uh, you know, to help, um, you know, to help us win and move forward. But, um, at, at, you know, at some point, the selling point was we didn't have much at Wabash Valley as far as facilities. We're in the middle of nowhere, town of seven, 8,000 people. Um, but we use that to our advantage, um, you know, selling it to parents and kids like, hey, this is, you know, what you're going to be getting into is two things, school and baseball. And, you know, your son is, is going to come here and have no distractions. And he's going to be a part of something special. He's going to be a part of something that after two years, he's either going to go to a really good four-year school or hopefully get drafted. And so, we, you know, we talked about that. We sold that. We embraced it. And, um, you know, parents knew that they were going to be in a safe place. Um, and they were going to be around coaches that, you know, really, you know, just cared about their development as a student, as an athlete, and just getting better. So that's all we had time for. We we filled up their day, you know, from you know sun up to sundown with baseball, school, weights, individual meetings. You name it. We took full advantage of you know our hours that we were allowed, you know, allowed to, to deal with in junior college. So it was totally about player development, getting better. What was a typical day like in the fall? Oof, it was uh, you know, there'll be days, you know, usually we lifted, you know, four times a week. We'd go early at six thirty, six o'clock in the morning with a good lift. Um, they would go to class from probably eight to twelve. Um, they would have their lunch. We'd come come uh, to the field from one to two and have early work. Um, our practice then would start as a team from two fifteen to where we didn't have any more light. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes it was six, sometimes it was seven and then you know, after that, we'd have a study hall session. And so it was all the way till nine o'clock at night. And hopefully by that time, they were exhausted and went to bed and just did it all over again. And so that part is awesome um, for, you know, players in junior college. And uh, that was a typical day in junior college. And here at Division One, it's different, but we're still doing um, some amazing things to help our players, you know, get better. What's been the, the biggest transition? Like in, what's been the biggest adjustment you've had to make from junior college to coaching at Division One level? You know, I would say that just being more creative with, you know, our, our time that we do have um, and the rules and regulations and that kind of stuff. But you know what? The, the bottom line for us is it's still recruiting really good players. Um, you know, for us, it's also about, you know, just um, having a plan for them and, making sure that we can, you know, get the most out of our time that we do have. Um, but recruiting the same. We're recruiting the same players. We're recruiting, you know, just good players. And the game is still the game here. Um, nothing's really changed for us. It's just for me personally. Um, I'm doing a little bit different things, but it's still teaching and, and uh, developing players and working with the staff and working with people. Um, honestly, when getting the coach professional, it's about, 
developing people. It's about working with people. You said you were doing, you're doing some things a little bit differently. Like what, what would be an example of something you're doing differently? You know, um, I would say we have smart groups, um, more analytical stuff, more stuff, um, you know, that we do is that we have, we're able to have, you know, we're just able to have different, um, you know, different things to work with our hitters. Um, I think the player development side from whether it's, you know, track man to, um, rap solo to just cracking things, you know, we're able to have different, you know, I said, yeah, I did some just player development things that we're able to have. It's, it's going to be more helpful for our players, but ultimately it's still about, uh, working with our players and developing relationships. It's just nice to be able to have those things. Where do you find yourself like gravitating towards? Is it more on the pitching side, the position player side, hitting side? Like what, where do you, where do you fall in line or is it a little bit of everything? More on the hitting side, but ultimately it's about offense. You know, I think it's just about everything. The, the cool thing is when we work with our players, we want to be well-rounded. And so for me, I'm on the offensive side, work with the hitters. But it's more than just hitting. It's base running. It's defense. You know, it's different kind of hitting for us. Because we want our guys to be good all-around hitters. Um, and it's not just one way. It's just, you know, there's many ways to get our players better. So um, I just talk about offense. What are your, like, from an offensive standpoint, I mean, are you someone who utilizes some of the technology? Are you more so, mm-hmm. like, combine the old school, new school? Like, what's kind of your stance on everything? I would say it's combining the old school and new school, you know, and, and, and find what, what players understand and how can we get, you know, into their learning curve of, of how they can learn their body and how they, how things work. And, um, but I'm a combination of all of it. I'm just a, you know, a coach that's going to be a lifelong learner of all of it, you know, and obviously for me, it's about learning some of the new stuff and I want to make sure that, um, you know, I'm, around it so I can learn it, teach it. Um, but ultimately the most important thing for me is to be able to develop trust with our hitters and understanding. And so we'll match it up as best we can from old school, new school. How do you go about developing that trust? I would say, you know, observing him um, first and not making crazy changes with them from the get go, learn their swing, learn how the body moves, learn how they learn. Um, and then ultimately sitting down and, you know, you know, spend some time with them as a person and, um, and just communicate them on a daily basis and listening to them. Um, it's a combination of all of them. And I think that trust is important, you know, understanding that we're not going to change a, a kid's swing from the very get go. Otherwise, it's like, why recruit a kid if you're going to change them? So um, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's a lot of communicating. What about uh, in terms of going back to offense from an um, offensive standpoint, how do you go about helping a player build a, a plan at the plate, like game planning with hitters, game plan against a pitcher? Like what's your what's your process for that? Well, I think that um, we have our absolute. You know, we have um, as a team, you know, obviously we do all the scouting ports and stuff like that, but at the same time, we want to also sit with what we believe in with an approach. Um, and that's adjusting flow in games. And you can have a scouting report down to see with everything that we have and everything everybody else has these days and synergy and whatnot. But when the game starts, things change, you know. Um, so we will have a game plan based on a, a picture or 
you know, what a team does, that kind of thing. But we also have our plan. The most important things, we just talk about simple things. I mean, if you have a scouting report on a pitcher and he's not, if he's a slider guy and, you know, he's not landing his slider, then it all goes back to what we talk about is the first 20 pitches. You know, what are, what are the pitcher doing? Um, what is the umpire? What kind of zone does he have? You know, what's the weather like? I mean, you name it, the first 20, you know, pitches is going to dictate how, uh, how we react to the rest of the game. What's the competition like in your guys' conference? Like, what's it? Were, were you surprised at the level of play, or is it about what you expected? It was what I expected. We knew it was a, you know, a really good conference. I mean, it, it's, you know, been known as a top five conference for the last several years. Um, you know, aside from some of the power five conferences, I mean, this is as good as there is. I mean, it's fun. It's uh, competitive. I mean, there's no, you know, tough week. There's no, you know. There's no easy weekends, I can tell you that right now. So, um, but it was like I expected, and um, you know the the biggest thing is it is a jump from Division One just because guys more experienced. I mean, the talent level in some cases may be you know similar, but it's just kids are smarter, they're more experienced, more mature, more physical, and so. Um, but at the same time, you know, to to break it down, we just worry about competing against the game, and it keeps it all relative. Who do you like watching on TV? Who do you do you like studying certain hitters? Do you like uh, watching certain teams? Like, how do you go about continuing to to learn and and grow as a coach? Um, listen, um, and watch coaches, and I love going to you know every clinic possible. I love just going to other teams' practices. I love sitting down and and talking with coaches of other sports. I mean, I I love listening and, and uh, watching our football practices. Um, or even volleyball practices, uh, just learning from how coaches do things and have success uh, from all different sports. And for me, it's a, you know, I can learn a lot from football coaches. I can learn a lot from basketball coaches. But ultimately, um, you know, you can learn from anybody. Um, and so I just try to talk and communicate and branch out to as many coaches, um, aside from just my network, um, to learn different things and, and see what see what works for you know, for us and see what, see what works for our program and for me personally. So, yeah, that's a, it's a good question, but um, I am open to things, but at the same time, I, I try to take a little bit from everybody and just try to work, you know, and learn from what, 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 you know, how I can teach things, what works for me. What, what are some of the things that you're looking to pick up if you're going to watch a football practice at Western Kentucky or a volleyball practice? Like, obviously it's not going to be anything, technical right. to baseball but like from a coaching sure. standpoint like what are you looking for you know how he organizes his practice so you can get the most out of it on a on an individual uh, standpoint and a team standpoint and how much does you know maybe make the team compete um in a group setting in a team setting um, how he organizes the most important thing that i talk about is time you know is the time the most valuable thing on earth and so how can you you know, organize that to where your team's getting better and also an individual and how you have some competition, um, you know, inside of that practice. Would you mind sharing like maybe a, an example of, of what you would recommend for, for other coaches, maybe high school coaches listening to this or, or maybe other college coaches on how to go about what you just said, organizing practice, organizing your time um, so you mm -hmm. can get the most out of it. Like if you have a, a two yeah. or three hour time slot, like how would you go about um, yeah. organizing the practice to get the most out of and from a development standpoint, yeah. just everything. 
there's still, you know, a couple different things and there's different, different views on this, but for us, um, obviously when we got to practice through, you know, understanding how important it is to have a good, a good stretch, having that mobility plan is so important. So, you know, we would start off, you know, with the mobility plan, good stretch, um, and then we get right into base running. And I felt like what we did, what we're doing here is we're going to run the bases. Um, we're not just going to steal base, but we have a plan and being smart on each base. But um, so we'd go over base running for 10 or 15 minutes and hit on that. Um, then after that, our bodies were warmed up. And so then we'd go into throwing. And so we'd have a throwing routine that we do it every single day. And, you know, that that's important for guys to understand is the throwing part and the, and the fielding part needs to be structured where there's something on the line. So, you know, we do our absolute throws, our, our progression throws, but then it would build into getting loose, but we condense it backwards where, hey, we have to understand that when we play catch, it's with a purpose. And so we would have, you know, our throwing drills be competitive. If we missed, we'd change lines. If we missed, we would, you know, do push-ups. So we would do something to help our guys understand how, you know, to be accountable that it's not okay to miss playing catch. And we do that on a daily basis. And we'd add something in there. So then after throwing, that was competitive. Um, and so we'd move into some team offense or team defense on that day. So, um, but we never wanted to miss some individual stuff. So, for example, on defense, we'd get right into infielders, infielders, outfielders, outfielders, catchers, catchers. And we'd try to have a coach at each deal. And that would be more of an individual thing. So we'd have 15, 20 minutes of that. Um, then we get into team stuff. And so we would do team, um, team offense, team defense all in one. And we, you know, we do a situation where it was batting practice that was competitive. And so we'd have a different theme on each day for, for one of our batting practice. And it would last probably an hour and 15 minutes. So there's a lot of things that we do here. We did at Wabash Valley. We call it live dead. We do one live round. We do two live and then we take pitch off. And so, um, you know, we didn't make everything competitive. Uh, we'd put um, something on the line for a winner or loser team. And, and uh, so that would go pretty far. And then at the end, uh, we'd do competition um, to, you know, whether it was defense, whether it was offense and, and those kind of things. So we'd try to cover all the bases every day. And then afterwards, we'd have some time to um, have some individual work. So it was, um, you know, and, and it's similar to that here. It's just not as enough hours that we had as opposed to junior college. If someone were to come watch you coach, uh, what what type of coach would like would people say you are? Are you someone who's like high energy during practice? Are you more laid back? Like, what's your coaching style? I would say I was a lot of energy. You know, um, I, I enjoy having fun, but practice is a little bit different because I feel like hey, this is our time. It's got to mean something. So we will challenge the living daylights out of our players and on a daily basis. Um, I like to think the games are, you know, like we talk about all the time, practice is coach's time and, and uh, game time is it's show time for players. You know, we don't want to have to go over things and uh, put any pressure on guys during games. But during practice, um, I felt like any coach that, you know, we all love the sport, but practice, uh, you know, to, to me is, is a um, – is my kind of what I talk about my sanctuary and uh, I enjoy that part I enjoy interacting but I also enjoy watching the guys get better
amazing uh, practice that we do. So yeah, I, I, we bring the juice a little bit in practice. You guys do like pitching machines or is it you throwing? Yep. Like what's the batting practice usually like? So BP is we mix it up almost on a daily basis. A lot of machine work, um, you know, a lot of angle BP. Um, a lot of times that I'll throw BP or the coaching staff will throw BP. We'll mix it up with fast, game, slider. We will get after them. And there's, there's days when we have candy BP where we just try to make them feel good and, and feel good about their swing, feel good about their, their body, feel good about their mind. And so we will mix it up on a data bit. I like that candy BP. I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's really good. What, uh, I, I mean, you've coached for so many years now. Like what, what's something that um, like if you looking back at your career, like you wish you would have known early on and it would have been able to impact more and more players. Like, obviously there's always things as coaches mm -hmm. who, you know, like even for myself, you know, it's like, man, if I only, if I did these certain things earlier on, I think I could have helped a couple more of these players, mm -hmm. you know, that I've learned. Like, is there anything that sticks out to you? And the only reason I ask that is I just think it's always good to learn from each other and, uh, help other coaches yeah. who maybe are listening or just starting out now too. Well, yeah. So I think just have an open mind um, to what other coaches, you know, you have your, your staff and I think it's important to be able to, to listen to what other coaches see in your players. Um, for example, you know, I see certain things in a player like this, their practice, I was seeing a, you know, guy cut himself off in his swing a little bit. Um, where another coach said, you know what, let's just swing a better pitch, you know? And so sometimes um, I think it's important just to listen um, to your entire staff and communicate with them, be open-minded, you know, to how we're going to ultimately get this, this player better. So, and, and obviously for me, it's kind of videotape everything as, as much as I possibly can. For example, we have this new system here at West Kentucky. It's called AWARE. And it's awesome. So you can see every practice from about eight different angles. Um, so you go back through on a daily basis, watch and practice and say, okay, how can I improve on that? And um, I think those are important things to be open-minded and to videotape every practice to how you can get better. Because when you're in practice, sometimes it's, you're going through, you don't really realize, you know, how important it is to, to see yourself do things. So um, I'm learning and picking up on that. When you're watching video, are you watching like your own, like what you're specifically mm -hmm. doing? Watch And then like, for example, we were doing different kind of style BP yesterday where it was just, it was actually, we were testing some bats out. And so we were doing some different things in practice where I could actually see each statesman to see if they were on time with me. Cause I was, we were working on some base running stuff as well, but it was off the front shoulder, it was off some timing stuff. And so it was, it was great to be able to see, if guys were actually on time with things, and we always talk about how important time it is, well, time is like this big tool, and that just doesn't um, that just doesn't stand for hitting. It stands for base run. It stands for everything. So, I was actually watching how guys were on deck if they're on time with me. I was watching the base runners if they're on time with me. I was watching, you know, myself as far as what I was teaching guys and watching the other coaches as well. So. That is an awesome feature if you can if you can watch practice on a day basis. It's what they do in football and it's what they're doing in basketball as well. How long will you spend watching watching the practice? I mean, will you watch the entire thing? Um, sometimes and sometimes, you know, it's it, they're they're longer and sometimes you just pick out things that you are like, All right, 
how bad did that look during that time of practice or how good did that look? So I'll pick up certain points and I'll write things down and we'll go over some things, you know, the next day. So it just helps me stay organized and helps me develop myself. I bet that also just it helps. Well, from a player standpoint, they're probably like, man, they can't slack anymore in practice because everything's being yeah. videotaped. It's amazing when you as a coach know that you're on video as well. Like, all right, you know, I mean, you know, it's, it's good for, for our different staff to talk about it and see it like, hey, we can get better in that aspect. But when you're on video, I think you hold yourself accountable a little bit more. Interesting. And, yeah. and, that, and that's and that's in all areas of how you walk, how you talk, your posture, body language that, that we require our guys to, to hold themselves accountable to how they act and how they walk and their posture. Do you also I was I had I don't know if you know Brian Kane. I'm on the podcast, but he's more like a yeah, mental. Awesome. Yeah. So mm-hmm. one of the things that, that he does, I know, is he'll go to games and with with baseball players and and hitters that he works with and he'll videotape them like as they're walking up to the plate mm. and then he'll go over the video with them um mm-hmm. after after the game like is that something that you've you do mm-hmm. yeah i mean i just started doing it more so the last few years uh but it's a wonderful thing to do when people actually see how they look when they walk when they talk and how they do things i mean there's some there's some real good things in the mirror there that's gonna help you Awesome. Well, Rob, I appreciate you coming on today, man. It's been a ton of fun. Uh, can't yeah. wait to follow follow along. And um, again, man, thanks for your time. Yeah, I appreciate you very much.